0: And good afternoon Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Welcome to another episode of Steelers Brunch with Tony. I am your host Tony DeFio and thank you for joining me on this fine Saturday afternoon. And as always I encourage you to please subscribe to our Behind the Steel Curtain YouTube channel and also like the page where we bring you various podcasts in each and every day. Seven days a week we have podcasts. There's so many to choose from and you can also find them on your on the various podcasting and platforms, uh, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio. So please check that out. And please check out Behind the Hill Curtain, the website where we bring you breaking news every day, commentary, film breakdown. It is your one-stop shop for all your Steelers' needs. So uh, I would say welcome to everybody in the live chat. But ah, there they are. There's Daniel. Noriega, Alex Flores, thanks for joining me. <clears throat> Excuse me. So as always, I want I wanted to talk about a number of different topics in today's show. And starting with last Sunday's 26-21 victory over the Broncos at Heinz Field. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything new here, but it was, it was kind of sloppy. Yeah, there were 10 penalties. Uh, the Steelers had uh, several chances to put that game away including late in the first half after Joe Hayden's interception, set him up the, at the 11-yard line. And they had to set up for a field goal after uh, after failing to pick up a first down on uh, third and one. And then early in the second half, after they, they got the uh, second half kickoff, Ray Ray McLeod returned it to midfield. And three plays later, Ben Roethlisberger threw an interception. And that, and, and that combined with the, the first half, the failure to score at the end of the, or the failure to score a touchdown at the end of the first half, I should say. that really turned to momentum and, and the Broncos scored 11 unanswered points to make it 17-14. And Steelers to their credit, they bounced right back. Uh, ben moments later Ben found Deontay Johnson on I think it was a 28yard touchdown pass. it was it was vintage Ben he sprinted to his right. And found Johnson in the back of the end zone who made a, a nice little diving catch. It was it was a little bit behind him, behind the receiver, but but you know, after a year off, uh, I'm willing to forgive that. And it was a great play by Johnson. Give Johnson credit for 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 staying with the ball and making the play there. And then what three plays later, four plays later, Sam Martin, the uh the Steelers forced a three out, three and out, and Sam Martin fumbled the snap on on the punt, the, the Broncos punter, and um it, it rolled out of the back of the end zone for a safety. So it's looking like at that moment with about 10 minutes to go in the game, it's looking like the Steelers have the game under wraps, right? Uh, they, they get the ball at midfield after the free kick. And what happens one play later, Benny Snell, the guy that I, on this show, I, I, I gave a huge vote of confidence to, I said, he should be the starter. And he let me down. He let, he let all the Steeler fans down. He, he fumbled and, and, the Broncos took advantage of that, made it 26-21, and what looked like uh, a blowout. Several blow, several times during that game, which should have been a blowout, turned into a, a nail biter. And the Steelers defense had had to hold at the end. Uh, Terrell Edmonds got a sack of a uh, backup quarterback, Jeff Driscoll on fourth down to to turn the ball over on downs. And the Steelers ran out the clock. James James Conner, to his credit, he struggled a week. The week before, I was I was critical of him after his week one performance and. The fact that he was yet again injured, he bounced back. He he didn't have a great game overall. He was pretty pedestrian over his first uh, twelve or thirteen carries of that game. But when they needed to put the game away, he he looked strong. And on second and five, he he got a nice little little kick kick out block by Derek Watt, the the fullback, and sprinted fifty nine yards, and that was it. So it was it was sloppy, but but it was a it was a win, and a win is a win, as they say, especially early in the year, and especially without any preseason games and uh by the way i want to say hi to some more people in the live chat team money my friend terry ezra matthew fortuna now nathaniel Zerati. so thanks everybody for joining me but uh where was i oh yes yes uh two and oh two and 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 they didn't have preseason so you can kind of forgive that but you know we've seen this a lot with this team and, and i'd say the last five or ten years with with uh, having the chance to put a, put a, uh, another, the opponent away and making either a committing a, a stupid penalty or, a, or an ill time turnover. And next thing you know, it's a nail biter. So I don't know. I, I'm not trying to be too critical, but uh, I don't think, I think it's lucky that the Steelers were playing one of the, one of the uh, lesser teams in the league last week in the Broncos. I mean, the Broncos aren't horrible, but, I think if the Steelers were, play, were facing another team, they might may have not gotten away with some of their mistakes last week. But again, a win is a win, and and two and zero is a heck of a lot better than zero and two, which is where they were last year at this time. In fact, last year they were zero and three and then one and four. So, you know, uh, take the two and zero record and learn from it and keep moving forward. I guess now let's talk about the good parts of of last week's game, starting with T.J. Watt, who had two and a half sacks, four quarterback hits, AFC defensive player of the week. And I think the most remarkable thing about last week's, about TJ Watts' performance is it didn't even, it, it kind of went under the radar for me. I mean, obviously not for the National Football League since he was named AFC defensive player of the week, but he, he's, he's dare I say, he's reached Antonio Brown territory, meaning he could have a he had you know when he has a really great game it's just oh well it's, it's another great game by tj what remember when antonio brown week after week he would get you know 10 catches for 120 130 yards three touchdowns make a lot of make some acrobatic plays on the sideline save the game at the end and you know people were just so used to it they they, they barely even mentioned it in some uh some circuit, you know some Articles. You know, it, 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 they'd want to talk about other other contributors like Juju Smith-Schuster or James Conner or or somebody along the offensive line. It's just we just got so used to to uh, Antonio Brown and, and what he could do for the team, and that's where TJ Watt is now. I mean, he's just a he's arguably the best defensive player in the NFL right now. And 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 as I said before, if, if you had to to do the 2017 draft all over again, it's probably who Patrick Mahomes, number one, and TJ Watt, number two? I mean, name somebody else you could throw in there, but either way, he certainly wouldn't have lasted to the 30th pick, that's for sure. So, uh I think I, I predicted a lot of people have predicted that TJ that Watt has a B- Defensive Player of the Year award in his future, and it might be as soon as this year. So, uh, but I also wanted to I, again give credit to, to Bud Dupree, who was, who was once again, just like in week one, very disruptive in week two. I thought he played a great game. It, just, it didn't show up in the stat line, but he he caused another another turnover. You know, he he was helped out by TJ Watt, who flushed uh, Drew Locke out of the pocket and uh, flushed him right into into uh, Bud Dupree, who who tackled him, knocked the ball loose. Mike Hilton recovered, and and it knocked Drew Locke out of the game. So uh, I realized for whatever reason, Bud Dupree has his critics and a lot of it has to do with the fact that he got after a slow start a slowish start certainly a slow start for a first round pick over his first four years he showed he showed some promise and there was certainly a lot of excitement about him coming into the after his first two seasons 2015 2016 he had some injury issues but you know the the feeling was coming into 2017 that the sky was the limit for him and he 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 did okay in 2017 and 2018 but certainly not where he, the level that he's playing right now, and and uh, I was reading an article on behind the door so curtain the other day, applauding, I think it was by Michael Beck, and his opinion that Dupree might be the Steelers' best defensive player right now. And and I, as much as I just um, talked about T.J. Watt, I mean that Bud Dupree. I mean you, you can make a, a case that if the if the, the NFL Defensive Player of the Year voting took place right now that Bud Dupree would certainly get some votes. That's how, that's how well he's playing right now. And, but people were saying, and I've heard it not just on behind the story, but I've heard a lot of people say this, well, he's only benefiting from TJ Watt and Cam Hayward and to it. And, and he's just benefiting from their presence and, and he's benefiting from, from, from switching positions. He's on the weak side now. Okay. Maybe, maybe both of those are true, but, uh, maybe those guys you know, as far as the, fir- the first part maybe TJ Watt and Hayward and those guys are, are also benefiting from Bud Dupree and, and his his exceptional because he looks like he's being shot out of, out of a rocket every time he goes to pass the uh, uh, rush the quarterback he just looks he looks like the best athlete on the defense right now he just looks to be in incredible incredible shape and it's a testament to him so that's the first part the second part is so what if he switched positions he found a position that that that, that suits him best and guess what james harrison joey porter greg lloyd they all played the same position so you're saying that they only benefited from the position that they played no they they were just great players so again i don't know what it is about bud but um some people they, they they've always had it out for him i mean uh, he was never really a bust as far as i'm concerned those first four years you know he, again he he didn't get off to the kind of start you wanted for a first round pick but he also had he came into 2019 with 20 career sacks which isn't a bust for a first round pick if you want if you want to talk about busts aaron jones was a bust uh huey richardson was cut the second year first round pick bill cower asked in in training camp his first training camp in 1992 he asked somebody is it okay if i cut a first round pick and and of course he did he cut him uh even ziggy hood uh you know i like ziggy hood he was he was an okay player but for a first round pick he didn't do a whole heck of a lot so i think Bud certainly came into 2019 more accomplished than any of those players, so he was not a Jarvis Jones, another one. So he certainly wasn't a a bust, and I think it's it's just a credit that he 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 went out and and uh, did the work in the offseason to to get himself uh, to, uh, to to the level that that he could be the player that. And, and he, and obviously, you have to credit Keith Butler for for coaching him up, but you know it's ultimately the credit goes to Keith to to Bud Dupree for for uh being the player that he is and, and again even with even with his great plays there's some people that just have it off for him i i, I time and time again you see the uh he fat shamed mark caballi last year and that wasn't a good look for bud the so people bring that up all the time they they talk about how bud was the ringleader when it was finally determined that Le'Veon bell wasn't going to report to, to the team two years ago he was he led the uh uh the little circus of 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 raiding his locker but I, I thought that was more tongue-in-cheek and they were just giving him a hard time uh, then I t- took it as being malicious but people bring that okay, uh, bring that up occasionally they talk about how how bud uh, called out James Harrison when he was cut three years ago for his behavior and even though Marcus uh, Marquisquis did the same thing actually he he was more critical of James Harrison <laughs> for some reason people people uh, give the pre a hard time for that but anyway I I don't want to go on a rant about Bud Dupree. That was more a, uh, I started off talking about TJ Watt and I just switched it right over to Bud Dupree because I, you know, I I have a soft spot for Bud for Bud because, you know, I want to see every Steeler player do well, especially if they're, if people seem to be uh, unusually critical of them. And that seems to be the case with Bud Dupree. I could see, you know, guys like Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and even uh, Ben Roethlisberger and, and Juju uh, Smith-Schuster, high profile players. People are going to, always find a, a way to find fault with, with with those kind of players but bud the priest sort of an un, under the radar kind of guy people there's are, there are some people that really like take things personally with him like the like when he he filed the grievance with the union the nflpa to try to be designated a, a defensive end uh, so he could pay a couple million more people act like he was taking money off of them so anyway i just want to give a shout out to bud and as, as for as well as tj Watt's doing and he is he, I, again i think he's the best Defensive player in the NFL right now. I think those two are more of a a, a package deal than, than we're willing to admit. I think they're they're the two best outside linebackers in the NFL today. And and uh, uh, e- even Mike Tomlin kind of kind of alluded to it the other day when he was talking about about Watt and how he how he gets himself ready during practice and who he interacts with. And and Tomlin said the only person he ever really talks to is Dupree. So I think those two realize how important they are to each other. So. Uh, I think the sky's the limit for the two of them this year, as far as what they accomplished, what, what they can accomplish. you know last year, Watt had 14 and a half sacks, Dupree had 11 and a half. I think I think they can both top those numbers this year the way they're going. I mean Dupree's gotten off to a, a slow start with the sacks, but I think even if he doesn't get 11 and a half, I think he, he's going to have at least as good, if not a better year than he did last year. so I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh, the two of those continue to do this year. And I want to say hello to Corey, just me, Kathy Ford. Thank you for joining the live chat. And uh, some more good things I want to talk about. Chase Claypool. What about him, folks? What a great start to his career, right? I mean, my goodness. You saw the, uh, the athleticism on display in the first game when he made that sideline catch, diving out of bounds, maintaining possession all the way to the ground, and that was you know the combat catch was something he was known for in college. And then, of course, the uh, the 84 yard touchdown catch and run against the the Broncos last week when they were dumb enough to, uh, silly enough to to play man to man coverage against him. That was uh, you know Ben Roethlisberger loves that. Chris Collinsworth said it many times. There's nobody that loves that one on one coverage more than than Big Ben. And when he sees it, he he always tries to take a shot. And he took a shot there and it was it was fantastic it was uh everything you could have possibly dreamed of if you're a if you're a Steeler fan what he did on that play with the with the uh the ability to to break open deep and and to take it all the way i mean that's a le- legitimate deep threat speed there on that play so i think uh obviously he's going to be worked more and more into the offense i would imagine over the next several weeks because i think he is a weapon you know and 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 uh i'm looking forward to seeing what, what what how how they continue to incorporate him into into the uh, offense in the coming weeks but the thing that really impressed me about about Clay, chase claypool was and my uncle noticed too uh, who i watched the uh, the game with on sunday is how how much how how many times he got downfield on on kickoffs and punts he was the first one down there often. i think he made three tackles a solo tackle and that's what he was known for uh, coming out of Notre Dame. So maybe that's not much of a shock, but I think it's, it it shows his character and his his drive and the determination and and how willing he is to be a team player to to be the first one down there. And it kind of reminded me of, of Heinz Ward. His his first couple of years, he was he played special teams, and and, and Heinz Ward, unlike Chase Claypool, Heinz Ward did not have the expectations uh, coming in that that Chase Claypool. Did uh, Heinz Ward was basically? I mean, he was a third round pick out of out of Georgia, and um, he was he was he. I'm sure there was there were he was expected to to contribute, but I don't think anybody expected that he would be the arguably the all time best receiver in team history. But uh Heinz Ward did a lot of that a lot of that, the, the tough work early on, and, and and that's what impressed me more the most. I think about Claypool. Yeah, it, he's a he's a great weapon on offense at least he, he he looks that way so far but but his willingness to get down there and and and, and be a special teams team, demon that's really really shown me something and if he keeps playing yeah unfortunately if he if he keeps playing offense the way he or receiver the way he has over the first couple of weeks he probably won't be on on uh, coverage teams much longer so I guess we might enjoy that while we can for all you uh special teams uh uh freaks out there so I think uh more good things are to come are, are to come for uh, chase Claypool. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he, what he can do. And, and uh, one more thing I wanted to talk about before I get on to some other things about last week's game is actually, I'm going to keep talking about last week, last week's game, but uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about is, uh, is uh, uh, big Ben and, and, and the fact that he, he looked like he, 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 if he didn't, if there were any doubts after week one, I think those doubts were, were put to rest last week with, you know, he, he completed 29 of 41 passes for 311 yards, two touchdowns. He had that pick, but you know, that's, he, he's, he's going to throw a pick every now and then that's, that's big Ben. But uh, if you were surprised that he threw 41 times in his second start, I wasn't that's, I, I kind of figured as much as I talked about balance during the off season, uh, I kind of figured if Ben was feeling good, he was gonna he was gonna air it out as much as possible. That's that's what he does. That's what a lot of quarterbacks of his stature do. And I think as long as Ben's around and feeling good, he's always gonna be a, a prolific passer. That's I think the, the days of of Big Ben uh, going sixteen to twenty for two hundred and fifty yards and three touchdowns, that, that kind of efficiency that you saw from him early in his career, I think those days are are pretty much over. I think you know, he wants to pass the ball. And I think the same thing could be said for, for the likes of Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, those older established quarterbacks who are clearly the, the alpha males of their teams. They're, they're going to want to have the ball in their hands as much as possible. So I wasn't surprised by that. Um, I think when people, when people talk about balance, I think they, they think, well, you have to throw it 20 times and run it 20 times. But I think in modern day, uh, Termin- uh modern football when people talk about balance i think a better way to look at it is being effective at both running and passing the ball and i think if the steelers can achieve that if they can uh be efficient with their with their crown game even if they're not running rushing it 30 35 times a game if they can be efficient with the 15 or 20 times that they that they do run the ball i think that's that's uh all you can ask for because they're gonna sling it ben's gonna sling it it's uh as lo- again, as long as he's here and feeling good, he's going to he's gonna want to pass it 35, 40 times a game. So continuing with last week's game, I, I have to talk about my favorite part, and that's Kevin Dotson. Absolutely. Uh, he was my favorite pick coming out of college, the fourth round pick out of uh, Louisiana. He was a four-year starter. He had to be thrown in there at right guard because of Number one, the uh, the training camp injury suffered by David DeCastro that kept him out of the first two games, and number two, the the week one pectoral injury suffered by Stefan Wisniewski that forced him out of of uh, last week's game and forced him onto the IR. So Kevin Dodson had to go in with no pre- no pre- preseason action whatsoever under his belt, and what did he do? He did basically a perfect job. I mean. Uh, from what I read he had the Steelers uh, as I mentioned they, they passed a lot they, all in all they they drop back to pa- or Ben dropped back to pass 43 times and in those 43 Dotson allowed n- zero pressure so I know that I don't know I'm not an expert on offensive line play but I know that's pretty pretty darn good and listening to to the likes of uh Jeffrey Benedict b- behind the so curtain zone Jeffrey Benedict uh, he he was the our, the, the the lead blocker on the James Conner touchdown early in the game. I think it was one yard touchdown. He took out two or three guys and uh, Jeffrey was, uh, he was gushing about Kevin Dotson all week. And he obviously, I think you see, you saw the, uh, I think they've been published the, uh, the film breakdown of of his play. And I, I believe he was, he was graded the highest lineman or the highest interior lineman by pro football focus last week. So, I mean, kudos to Kevin Dotson for, for an outstanding job. And it had to be a high pressure, situation for him his first career start in his second career game i mean my goodness filling in for a a perennial pro bowler no less and to have the kind of game that he did ben roethlisberger gave him the game ball afterwards and and heck uh it it tells you all you need to know about how much his his performance was appreciated last week i mean um kudos to him but kudos to sean surrett too kudos to sean surrett for for getting him ready coaching him up and and yes uh Dotson was probably underdrafted I think we can all agree on that I think that was that was the sentiment after the draft because this guy was a deck, as I've mentioned before as we've all mentioned before Dotson was a decorated uh college player he was he started for four straight years and I just want to get this up there real quick if you're listening at home this is from sir bradley amazing film film breakdown by by jeffrey indeed it was he knows his stuff and he, again he was gushing about about dodson's play so kudos to, to, to dodson kudos to jeffrey benedict and again kudos where was i yes kudos to sean surrett he uh he, he had he, uh, dodson was perhaps underdrafted but he was still a rookie and he was still thrown into a tough situation and he had to be prepared and he certainly was so you have to give credit to sean serrette not only for that but for for coaching up the likes of zach banner who was in a a a big battle with shuk- uh shuk for for that right tackle spot in training camp and as i as we've talked about many times it was a apparently a very good and very close battle and and banner just barely got the nod so he 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 coached Banner up. He talked. If you remember the uh, podcast that Banner did with with Behind the Steel Curtain a couple months ago, he mentioned the coaching that he got once he came here. You know, he started his career I think with the Colts, and then he took with, with the Browns after that, and then he came to Pittsburgh. And he said the coaching that he got here in 2018, back then it was Mike Munchak was the, was the offensive line coach, and Sean Surrett was was his assistant, and the coaching they gave him made him a better lineman. So, you know, people. People were are, are, were worried about Mike Mike Munchak's departure last year uh, when he went to Denver. And by the way, Munchak, um, my theory, or uh, we we talked, I talked about uh, Munchak, his lines getting better the uh, the longer he's with a team, and and getting better at pass protection and, and not allowing many sacks. Well, last week the Steelers had seven, so I think uh, Mike Munchak has a little bit more work to do. But anyway. Uh, people were worried about Munchak's uh, departure and, and they, they questioned th- the struggles of the line last year. But I think, I think that was more to do as I've mentioned several times that, that had more to do with, with the quarterback play and the fact that, that opposing defenses could not respect the passing game and, and they, and they, they crowded the line. And, and and that was a difficult situation for the, for the offensive line to deal with last year. But in terms of, of actual coaching, you know, Soret he, he learned under, under, he mentored under Munchak for, Several years, and people were they they talked highly of him before Munchak even left. So uh, it isn't like you know trying to you know Munchak is a a Hall of Fame uh, offensive lineman. So it's not like trying to you know he could probably never coach somebody to be a a a a Hall of Famer. But 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 what a coach's job is is to is to is to get the best get the most out of a out of out of a player that he can, whether it's a a high pedigree player or or a undrafted free agent. And of course, Munchak was very good at that, and I can't see why he couldn't pass that knowledge along to somebody who was willing to learn. And if if Sean Saret was already a talented coach, uh, I'm sure he was willing and able to 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 learn everything he could from from Mike Munchak. So why couldn't why couldn't he uh, be a uh, a sponge, so to speak, and, and and absorb everything that perhaps the greatest offensive line coach of our generation? Had to, had to tell him. So uh, I think we, we're, you know, it's not like uh, like Munchak had to teach Sean Sarett how to be a, a, a Hall of Fame. That's actually a better analogy than what I just said. It's not like he had to teach him to be a a, a Hall of Fame uh, offensive lineman. He he just had to teach him to be a very good uh, offensive line coach. And I think uh, I'm confident that 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 Sean Sarett's going to do do a, continue continue to do a great job based on. Uh, the performance of, of guys like Kevin Dodson and and Shuke and Zach Banner who you know uh who have all done great so far as starters. It, it was Corfor's fifth start last week and and you've never heard anything really any anything bad about any of his five starts up to this point in his career. So I think uh I think that speaks well for not only for for those guys but for for the coaching that they that they receive cuz um it was important that they found a, a true successor to Munchak and, and I think that they, they didn't Surrett. So that brings me to my next point, And that is, that is um, the, the, the youth movement that's, I think, currently taking place along the offensive line. You know, I think that that's a question that gets asked often is, uh, you know, ab- ab- about the Steelers offensive line is, is its age and everybody on the, line except with the exception of uh or coming into the season everybody along the line with the exception of matt filer they were they were getting up there in age at you know villanueva pouncey de castro and ramon foster they were they were all over the age of 30. well ramon retired and that left filer as the only guy under the age of 30. but if if you look at how things are, are progressing now with that line I mentioned Banner and, and four. and I realized Banner suffered the season-ending ACL tear in week one, but he did he did a lot up to that point to t- turn himself into a, a starting right tackle in the NFL. And uh, obviously, I'm no doctor, but I think it's it, it, probably a little easier for, for a lineman to come back from an ACL tear than a running back or a receiver or, or somebody that relies on speed. I realize that these guys are... They 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 rely on their you know they have to be agile out there and, and and move around in space and everything. But I think it's probably a little easier for a for a lineman to recover from that. So I have all the confidence in the world that 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 Banner will be back, provided he he keeps his weight down and and, and he 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 rehabs religiously, which I have no doubt that he that he will. I think he'll he'll he can come back next year and be your starting right tackle. And maybe Shooks Akorafor is your is your starting left tackle because I think filling away, but I think his time here is is coming to an end. He, you know they have to make a lot of tough decisions, and again he's over the age of thirty. He's his he's he's making a, a, a pretty he's he ha, he's on a pretty decent contract right now. I don't know when it runs out, but I know it, he signed a pretty decent deal not long ago, a few years ago. So they're probably going to have to move on from him and. A four could be your left tackle, and Kevin Dotson, Matt Filer, they're uh, they're all also in the mix as far as guard uh, uh, playing guard. Um, Dacastro, I, I think he's still he's still in the prime of his career, so they're not going to move on from him. But they, they they do have three young candidates in 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 Banner, A four and Dotson. So if you're looking, I think people, when people say you got to you got to rebuild the offensive line, I think that they they, they're looking for some definitive moment, like with Pouncey, where they went out and drafted him in the top in the first round back in 2010. But I think this year it's or, or this time around, it's, it's happening right before our very eyes. And maybe we don't realize it quite yet because of because they have such a, a veteran group as their top five, or at least they did prior to this year. But I think I think the the future of the offensive line's line line is, uh, is is a good is is good right now. It looks it looks pretty good. Based on the, the the three young guys that I mentioned and my, Matt Filer, so I don't know if he, if, they, if he's going to be your right tackle next year or not, but I think I think Zach if Zach Banner takes that job again, then I think you can keep Filer at, at left guard. As far as Kevin Dotson, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> maybe he could play left guard. I, I know I realize he played right guard all throughout college, and and that's where he's played so far in the pros, and it's probably not as easy as as we all think, or certainly as I think. To switch from right to left guard or right to left tackle, but I think if you're talented, you're talented. So if they decided they wanted Kevin Dotson to move over to left guard next year, or even this year, if they had to move Matt Fowler to to right tackle for some reason, I I, I have a feeling that that Dotson would, would would do good in that role. So again, to to wrap it all, all that that up, I think their their offensive line, the the future of the line isn't is is looking pretty good as of right now. So. That's, uh, that's all I pretty much wanted to cover today. And now I will open things up to some questions to round out the show. So let's see what you got. Let's see if I can find any old ones while I'm waiting. Here's one from Just Me. Is there any talk about Shazier coming back to coach? Not at the moment, but as we've discussed in the past, I can certainly see see him doing that because he loves football. He's all about football. And, and you saw how long he, he, he hung in there trying to recover from his, his spinal injury that he suffered back in 2017. So I can certainly see that that being in, in his future. I think uh, Tomlin mentioned something during training camp about him having some some other things he wants to take care of in his life right now. Uh, but I can certainly see him coming back to, uh, to coach at some point, whether it's with, with Pittsburgh or somewhere else uh when you love the game as much as much as 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 he he does and he did when he played he played with such passion i can definitely see him 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 him, uh coaching in the future at some point here's one from nathaniel karate do you think we draft o-line in first round the next two years not necessarily no and and it's because of of the uh, the things i just mentioned i think um I could sort of put a bow on that now. I, I kind of rambled through that segment, but I could put a bow on it with that question, so I thank you for that, Nathaniel. Uh, if Shooks is, you, is your starting left tackle and, and Zach Banner, if he's your starting right tackle and Kevin Dotson factors in at one of the guard positions, well, there's three of your, your, linemen, your, your positions along the line are set. And the show again, I think is, is, he still has a few years left before he maybe uh, starts winding things down. Uh, so I think the only question there is center with Pouncey. Uh How quickly quickly do they want to move on from him? Because he's getting up there in age, and I think there, it's no secret that his, his play has declined a little. I still I still like him. I still love him as a, as a player and as a teammate, uh, locker room guy. As a leader on that team, but there's no question that that his play has declined a bit in in recent years. So I could certainly see see them looking at the center position. So if they were to uh, concentrate on one position over the next draft or two, I would say center, but not necessarily in the first round. I mean, you know, you can get a guy in the second or third or fourth round and coach him up as, as we've seen with uh, the likes of Mike Munchak and now Sean Surrett. Let's see here. Here's one from Portna Quinba. What is the plan for the organization post 2021? Colbert is year to year and Tom and Ben's contracts are only through 2021. That's a good question. That's a million dollar question. Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, if Ben keeps looking the way, the way he does, if he, if he keeps playing at the same level that he's shown the first two weeks, um, he's mentioned, he, he's talked about about wanting uh, to play a few more years beyond 2021. So it, it just depends on 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 how much they're, he's willing to how much they're willing to pay him is he going to continue to want top dollar and if he is going to want that kind of money 35 40 million a year are they going to be willing to pay him i don't know because because as as i've said they have a lot of uh of big decisions to make with their roster with the the likes of tj watt juju mika fitzpatrick (laughs) it feels like i say this every week but it's it's the truth i mean that's that's this all goes hand in hand with with their uh with their roster over the next few years, a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, big decisions. So are they going to want to continue to pay a 40 year old quarterback, 35, 40 million a year? Is he going to be willing to t- take a, a hometown discount, which he hasn't shown yet up to this point, he, he, you know, he's probably made more money than, than just about every, any quarterback who's ever played, I think. So, um, I don't know, uh, as far as Tom is concerned, the, the drive still is still there. The passion is still there, but as I've said before, uh, Tomlin or uh, Bill Coward decided enough was enough after 15 years. He wanted to uh, spend more time with his family and he's never looked back. So maybe Tomlin, he's got a a kid in college. I think he has another one who's about to enter college. Maybe he's going to want to be there for them. Maybe, you know, if they win another Super Bowl, that's always uh, the dream of every, it's always thrown into every conversation about the future because that's always the dream of every Steeler fan is, is for them to win an, uh, uh, another title. If he wins another Super Bowl, he gets to his fifteenth, sixteenth year. Maybe he sees that the organization's making changes or moving on. Colbert's retired, Ben's retired. Maybe he decides that he doesn't want to uh, be around for a rebuild, and maybe he decides to to go do the family thing. And who knows? I can't, I can't picture him being on TV and doing the Bill Cowher thing. But you never know. I didn't picture Bill Cowher doing that. Back in 2007, and here we are. So, I don't know what your plans are. That's that's a great question. It's something I think if Ben wants to continue to play, I I I get the feeling they're they're going to want to keep paying him. But uh, that's just that's just my gut feeling. Uh, The the numbers suggest that it might be impossible. But but I've I've thought that before, and, and they've they just signed Cam Hayward when I didn't think that was possible. So we'll see. Let's see, here's one from Ezra, a comment that I skipped over. Here we go. Here it is. Tomlin will coach into his 60s like Marv, Le- Marv Levy. Well, he does, he does love his football, so he, he does seem to be passionate about it. People always wonder about, uh, you know, they always say, what does Tomlin do? I don't understand what he does. It, well, what he does better than any coach, I think, than uh, Bill Belichick, is keep his teams together. And you don't you don't do that if if they've if they've stopped if your players have stopped listening to your message. If your message has grown stale, then uh, that's a good indication that that you've that your or I'm sorry, if if your players have stopped listening to you, that's a good in, indication that your message has grown stale. And there's no indication at this point that, that that's been the case. He's never lost his locker room. Last year would have been a, a great, a great time for that to happen with losing his best player and they still stuck uh, fought for him and and almost made the playoffs so uh that's a good that's a good comment as right you know he, he's definitely a passionate guy here's one from Alex Flores who is the key to winning this coming up game on offense and defense uh i think the key obviously is is uh this is cliched but i think you have to you have to slow down Deshaun Watson you have to keep him in the pocket, because I, I saw even though the, the, the Ravens had great success against the Texans last week, there were several occasions when, when, when Watson escaped the pocket and made plays downfield, and he's got a, a nice uh, group of veteran receivers: uh, Randall Cobb, Will Fuller, uh, one guy, uh, Brandon Cooks. They're you know they're not none of those guys are number one elite receivers, but they're all really darn good. And if 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 uh, the secondary struggled a bit over the first two weeks. Uh, You know, you can't do that against those guys and you can't let if, if Deshaun Watson uh, gets out of the pocket, you know, look at Ben Roethlisberger, look at, look at the success he's always had escaping a pocket. So I think you have to, you have to get a a good push up front with the likes of Tyson Alulu, who's done great his first two weeks and obviously Cam and, 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 and to it, you get, you have to get a push up front and, 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 and sort of, uh, uh, force him, uh, keep, sort of keep him in the pocket. You have, you have to collapse the pocket around him and sort of uh, sort of uh, keep him in front of you and, 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 and hemmed in. So that's the key on offense. As far as defense, uh, the key I think is, as I mentioned, Ben's going to pro- probably want to throw 35, 40 times. That's his MO. But I think the key is to be effective running the ball. You know, they weren't really all that effective running the ball last week, other than that last at at, at the end of the game i think you have to be more effective in the 15 or 20 times that that they do uh run the ball tomorrow on sunday uh the the texans have the worst rushing defense in the nfl through two weeks so i think that's that's the key is is james connor's probably the key on on offense and and that defensive line is the key on 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 defense so that's pretty much all i have for today and 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 I thank you guys for joining me. I thank you guys for the questions. And I thank you out there in podcasting land for listening. So enjoy tomorrow's game. Go Steelers. And and enjoy the rest of your weekend. So long, everybody.